I want to thank you for taking out the time to have this discussion with me. We've got uh, signing day coming up tomorrow, and it's been a really weird period for me. And uh, I don't know if you've observed some of the same things, but hopefully you can provide a little insight as to some of the things that are going on in the recruiting world. Um, obviously, COVID kind of turned everything upside down. Are there any particular uh, different uh, modes of operation that you've observed? because of how COVID uh, has impacted the recruiting world up to this point? Well, yeah, I know that uh, the traditional signing day is tomorrow, but I also know for certain sports, if I'm not mistaken, football and basketball has been pushed out to, to August 1. So I think what you're going to see is you're going to see some kids obviously signing their, their letter of intent a little bit later. And with the seasons having been moved around in certain states and not played in the traditional fall, I think you'll also see some kids committing a little bit later. And I, I just the recruiting landscape in general has changed. I mean, a lot of my colleagues, former colleagues, coaching buddies, you know, just the whole thing has gone virtual, really. Um, you know, so the overnight visits and those types of things have kind of gone by the wayside a little bit. And your junior days and some of those other days that you have in person, you're having virtually, you know, coaches aren't on the road in, in school as much. And that would be the main thing, I think, is the communication piece. And then some of these deadlines that you typically would see have been pushed out. Yeah, I, I can imagine it having to turn back the clock. I won't tell you how many years, but uh, having to turn back the clock and take a virtual visit, um, that's, that's, that's tough on a kid, especially when they're, they're trying to weigh options about what they're going to do for four or five years of their lives doesn't sound like a lot of time to you and I because we're a little bit older, but four or five years to a 17 year old, uh, that's a significant amount of time. Can you imagine taking a virtual visit as a 17 year old and what that might entail? You know, I couldn't. And it's like, um, I mean, when you look at it though, the, the recruiting process starts pretty early if you're serious and you're self-advocating, or even if you're one of those upper echelon athletes Hopefully some of these older student athletes, some of these juniors and seniors have been taking some unofficial visits their freshman year, their sophomore year. So hopefully they've gotten some exposure prior to COVID. Uh, I know when I played, you lived for the overnight and you lived even for the overnight visit that is when you're, you know, you take your mom and your dad out and they pay for you and wine you and dine you and those types of things. Um, but even when you would go back after that, you know, and hang out with the, the kids on the team and do do something unofficial, you know, that's, you know, not not happening right now. Um, so I just think the way that coaches are approaching the player right now, they've got to play on some things that traditionally they may not have played on, right? So when I came out, it was, you want to make sure you get a great education and you want to make sure you enjoy the experience. I think you find a lot more of these higher level coaches talking about becoming a pro. You know, we're talking about some, some things that they, they maybe didn't ordinarily used to talk about so much because they know that they're not in person with the kids and they got to appeal to them. Yeah, it's, it's a, a landscape that I think is unfamiliar to everyone. And I remember Mike Krzyzewski saying that he had to um, renew his coaching style, his recruiting style every few years. And he, he made reference to Twitter. He never thought he would find himself on a on a platform like that, yeah. uh, but it, it's it's one of those things you have to adapt with the times. Uh, is there certain things that 
uh, certain practices that you're seeing college coaches do that are more effective than others? Well, I, I think that college coaches are meeting student athletes where they are, you know, whatever the medium it is that they use, whether it's, I don't even think it's Facebook now, I think it's Twitter, or I think it's Instagram. Uh, I think they're meeting them where they're, where they're at. Uh, and, I, and I think that, you know, when I was coming up, handwritten letters were, were a big thing. I don't, I don't necessarily see that. I don't necessarily see that happen anymore. I think everything is really gone through the internet. You know, I, I just think that the fortune is in the follow-up and I think the great recruiters just find ways to consistently engage student athletes to make them feel like they really, really want them. And, and they do that. They do it on social media. Our, our wheelhouse is football. Um, and there's been some really significant um, changes within the last few years and specifically the transfer portal has changed a lot of how uh, players are recruited and how scholarships are handled. This year in particular, uh, I believe the num last number I heard was over 2000 players in the transfer portal with mm -hmm. one or more years of eligibility. How has that impacted the number of scholarships that are available for the, the young men that are in the class of 2021? Well, when you look at the transfer portal, I think that there's a couple things that you got to look at. It's it's one, you know, obviously if you're at some place, a coach from another institution is not supposed to contact you until you're in that portal. But once you're in that portal, there's no guarantee that a scholarship is going to magically appear for you. So there's that, and then there is you're tipping off the current team that you're on that you're looking about leaving. So I just think that there's more players that want to transfer than there may be scholarships available with what's gone on. So before you enter the transfer portal, my advice would be to make sure that you, you, you definitely are leaning towards leaving and you've fought through some adversity and this is something that you feel strongly about because with COVID and they've granted that extra year of eligibility, what you'll find is, is you'll find some people who normally, some student athletes who normally would have graduated and moved on, they're coming back, right? And they don't count immediately towards what I guess FBS, it's 85 kids you can have on scholarship at a time. They don't count immediately, but in future classes, you know, if, if, it's, if it's a junior who stuck around, they're gonna count against that number. So you're not gonna have as many scholarships available so you're gonna, it's gonna be more competitive for a scholarship spot because of what's happened. Yeah, that's tough. And, and I honestly believe that a lot of it depends on the state of the college program. Is it a program that is under some pressure to win right away? You know, sometimes they'll take a kid that's been in a college program, been in a weight conditioning program, and that kind of knows the, the, the ins and outs of things. Um, that can possibly help them right away as opposed to uh, incoming freshmen that they know that they're going to have to develop and may not necessarily see the fruit from uh, for a, a one or at least one or two years. So uh, it depends on what that particular program is going through. Uh, would you agree with that? And, and, and if so, do, do you think that, um, you know, obviously that, that makes it really, really tough on those kids that are, that typically would have had five or six opportunities that are down to one or two options. I do agree with it. I think it's rare that you find a college coach 
who stays at one place for a long time. I think from a coaching standpoint, more times than not, more often than not, the name of the game is to win and then move up, move on to a better place. And I think the same is also true for players. And I think it's talked about more. I think players think they're going to come in and they're going to play very well and they're going to move on to become professionals. So as a coach, what you find is, I think what you're going to find is the coach is going to say, okay, do I encourage some of these older players to come back and use another year of eligibility and win now so I can move on? Uh, or just so we can win because that's the nature of the beast? Or do I encourage them to move along and, and bring in a normal class and, and develop them in a traditional sense? And I just think that the higher that you get, right, D3, D2, D, the old uh, 1AA and then, you know, 1A, so FCS and FBS, the higher that you get, the more the pressure is on to win. Uh, so, yes, I would agree with you that it's a winning culture. That's the name of the game. People want to move on. And I think that if you're a freshman, if you're an incoming freshman, you know, you're going to really need to sit down and look at what's important to you. If you want to play right away, you should understand, depending on the university, there may be some super seniors coming back that may not allow, allow you that opportunity, right? Um, there's going to be people who've already been in the program. So there's certainly some research to be done there. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, and then you have to factor in, you know, someone who, you know, obviously no one asked for the situation and you thought your prospects may be a little bit different or perhaps may shake out differently in two years. There's always those that might bet on themselves and say, I'm going to take the junior college or prep school route. Um, mm -hmm. What are some of the advantages and disadvantages that might go into that? You know, I, I coached in high school for a bit and I coached in college and, I, and I've, I've coached kids in high school that have taken the junior college route and gone on to be, you know, after two years transferred and went on to be All-Americans and went on to be pros. I've also coached kids that have gone to Division One schools right off the bat and just didn't quite get there, didn't quite make it. I think the biggest thing is communication with 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 the people that care about you and your coat, your current high school coaches. Okay. And I think that you have to be honest about, about where you are. You know, if if your skill set is such that you may be able to barely make a walk-on at, at a at a division one school, then you may want to look at a lower level school and and and, and maybe engage in that uh, that total experience. But if you really feel deep down in your heart you're a D1 D1 prospect then I don't think there's anything wrong with looking at a junior college that has had some consistency with their staff and has had some success and has a track record of graduating student athletes and getting them opportunities at the next level or even an NAIA school all right that has had a consistent staff has a strong program has won and has had a track record of maybe some people leaving and moving on to do better things so I, there's more than just the NCAA Division One FC FBS football. So yeah, I think if you got people around you that have been down that road, you certainly need to talk with them about your goals and map out the best plan to get there. Yeah. I know there was um, some concessions made by the NCAA in terms of SAT, ACT uh, acceptance, and and whether those things would uh, play a factor into the acceptance of the student. Um, yeah. pretty much a get out of jail free card uh, was mm -hmm. given out. And, um, you know, that's tough on, on high school coaches in particular. 
I, I know it kind of lets the guardrails down for some kids. But for me, I felt as though, um, you know, I, I don't want to lower expectations. Um, but I also understand the situation. Again, I, no one asked for it. Um, just your thoughts in general about um, them making that concession for kids and whether that may have a, a negative or positive impact. I think I think initially it was the right thing to do when when the uh, when the pandemic first broke because initially we were everybody was struggling with even having the test right so if you didn't have the scores a lot of student athletes didn't have the opportunity to make the grade even though there were dates uh, traditionally there should have been dates where they could have taken it but I but I do think as we move along and now there's more opportunity to take the test I, I I'm inclined to agree with you in that. We should not lower our standards, and I would I would say to underclassmen to prepare as if you know you're going to have to take that test, uh, and and essentially that's what's gone on. Coaches that they've said, hey, you don't need a standardized test score as long as you've made that 2.3 QM GPA in your core courses, you get accepted D1 scholarship, and as long as you've you know, maintained a 2.2 cumulative GPA in your D2 classes, then you get accept. Um, you know, you can accept, accept that athletic scholarship and complete and play year one. So initially I'm, I was for it, but now I, I think as things return to normal, you need to prepare as if you're going to have to take the standardized test. Yeah. Uh, again, I thank you for taking out the time. And obviously I, I respect your opinion a whole lot. And uh, you've yeah. provided some great insight over the years. Um, I'm a high school coach. What should I be telling my players that are in 2022, 23, um, what advice should I be giving them in order to prepare themselves? Because uh, I believe there's going to be a ripple effect of some type. I don't know exactly what it is or what it's going to look like, but I'd like for my guys to be as prepared as possible. And for uh, and, and and not just football guys, there's volleyball, there's softball. And so the men and, men and women in high school sports, what should we, we be telling our young people? And I, I think that time moves along and, and it just becomes, there's always someone out there trying to create an edge on how to get ahead. And I think as long as, as, as student athletes are communicating with their coaches about their goals and what they really want, and they're being honest with themselves about where they really are, I think it probably gives them the best chance to get where they want to go. So if I were to put it in layman's terms, I would say that they need to communicate with their coaches about what they really want. I think they need to self-advocate. You know, in other words, I think they need to do some research about as especially as they get a little bit older into their sophomore, junior, senior year, you know, what it is they really want to study, what part of the country they really want to go to, what kind of program they'd like to play for, what geographically, you know, where do they want to land over the next four or five years. And then I, I would say just um, certainly, you know, we talked about it earlier. It's a social media world now. And, you know, talent, I mean, there's talent all over the place. You know, your social media page can make the difference as to whether or not a coach offers you or, or someone who's just about as good as you. So be sure to mind your social media page and be careful of what, of what you put up there because it doesn't lie. Just like the transcripts don't lie and just like the film doesn't lie. And work hard. Just, you know, there's no substitute for hard work. I know it's cliche, but I think if you do those things, I think if you communicate, I think if you self-advocate, you know, you're socially responsible with your social, social media page and you work hard, you'll find yourself in, in a shot to have an opportunity at least to compete at the next level, regardless of whatever sport you're in.
Well, thank you for that insight. Uh, I'm going to take it and run with it. And uh, I know you're in a new role there. So best of luck to you. And uh, thank you for always being gracious with your time. And we look forward to speaking with you again. And hopefully uh, we'll be cheering on the Warriors in, in as, as much capacity as we possibly can. Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, uh, shout out to you guys. I know you're going to do great things over there. Shout out Athletics and Beyond. I really enjoyed being a part of you guys and a part of the program the last couple of years. Okay, so you guys keep after it. And who knows, maybe sometime down the road, we'll bump into each other, coach. No doubt. No doubt. Take care of yourself. I appreciate your time. All right now.